In this week's episode, there are so many Marvel books, we don't even know how to handle it. Chris fanboys over Flash, I fangirl over Valkyrie. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Hello, we have a big week this week. Holy smokestacks. Freaking. Marvel, like, just yeah. hadoukened a ton of books yeah, at us. just annihilated the show. Too many. Too so many we're going to start with not Marvel. There's another big important title that came out this week. Uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight, number one. Woo! So the second volume of the much beloved White Knight um, from DC under their black label. If you didn't read the first White Knight. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, first of all? And it focused, <laughs> on, um, it focused on Joker getting sane essentially um he gets on some meds yeah he through methods i won't discuss here he gets on like a shitload of meds and turns into jack napier um and goes on like a reforming gotham reforming gotham pd kind of spree and it just is this really unhinged batman like just really off his rocker yeah <laughs> like generally like really stressed out kind of batman it's a cool it's a cool flip on like if joker's not crazy does that mean batman has to be crazy in order to keep the parallel yeah it pokes i mean it's not necessarily a new concept the whole idea of like poking holes in batman's sanity uh, but it does it in an interesting way because it kind of looks at it from a civil and like, uh, I guess, administrative kind of way. Like yeah. if we lived in this city, this is what happens when Batman's rolling around. Because you see Batman do like cool shit all the time, like driving his car up walls and like, you know, kicking out windows to get to a bad guy and stuff. But like somebody has to pay for that property that's, damage. That's, yeah, that's property. And um <laughs> That was a big part of White Knight 1. White Knight 2 kind of picks up after the whole events of that. Um, it refers back to the first volume. You should definitely read the first volume by all means. Yes. But if you can't get your hands on a trade paperback, and if you're you know, just desperately in need of getting the issues, there is one issue that is a little bit tough to get because it features a new Harley-based character. Um, which is always like, wow, new Harley. Um, ah, Harley Quinn. But yeah, so if you if you just for whatever means cannot get a hold of the first volume, there's not too much you need to know, and I do, I feel like it does an okay job kind of referring to what happened in the last one to give you kind of an idea. Um, all in all, I'm not as in on the concept of this one. So the whole thing opens with Joker being like, "I have my final joke, my one last." you know joke that only i know it's the final act you know it's the one thing that's gonna tear down gotham and batman and all this stuff he like goes to his old cell and collects some sort of item um and then it appears that later on we find out that that item is a sword that belonged to like lafayette arkham who it's told in like rumors and urban legends was a vampire um and he takes that sword and gives it to azrael who's having a hard time and tells him that, like, the Waynes stole his birthright and, like, he should be running Gotham, but the Waynes are, go get your revenge. So it's just another, like, I had Bruce Wayne and Batman kind of revenge story, you know? Hmm. 
and like kind of just had one of those in detective with the whole like arkham knight thing and this person looks kind of arkham knighty like their their version of Azrael looks kind of arkham knightish um so hopefully there's more i'm hoping the joker has other machinations in mind now is he still just joker he's just joker in he's fact not he's Jack. trying part of it, he his like final act is to show like is vengeance against jack napier he's like this will tear down everything batman and jack napier worked for and stuff he hates jack napier he's not a fan Um, he considers them two different people you know and uh, jack napier is best boy yeah just saying and uh so he actually refers to jack napier as if jack napier still exists and is still like a character he's rallying against um but I'm hoping that there will be more, like I said, that the Joker has other plans. Because right now it just seems a very straightforward kind of Batman story. Yeah. Um, but they didn't really allude. There wasn't much of a cliffhanger. You know what I mean? Like, we know Azrael's going to be in it. Like, the B cover has him on it. Yeah. To the extent where people I talked to didn't realize the B cover was a B cover and thought it was, like, a tie-in. Because it says, like... Huh. Batman, Curse of the White Knight, colon, Asriel on it. Oh. So it looks like a tie-in, not like its own individual issue, or like just a cover. Oh. Um, it looks like its own individual thing, but it's just a cover. So we know Azrael's going to be in it, so ending the first issue on like, hey, guess what? Azrael, flaming sword. It's like, dude, the B cover has him literally with a flaming sword. Yeah, you know I mean? Like, yeah. Kind of already gave that one away. Yeah, you know. Thanks for the previews. Um, but it's still, I'm still in it. Sean Murphy, it just does such a good job on this book um, with these characters. Like, he's just invented this. It's so hard to describe because they're just kind of like these closed off, stressed out, stretched thin kind of characters. Yeah. And actually, like, his version of Batman feels way more akin to, like, Arrow in, like, the Arrow. Yeah. Because he's yeah. just very, like... He never looks like he, like, he very rarely gets really intense. Like, he does have his screaming moments. But, like, for the most part, he just seems freaking stressed. It's just, like, bouncing from one thing to another and just being generally, like, stressed out and kind yeah, of pissed. Yeah, it's like Batman angel version. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. David Bariana's broody mm-hmm. type stressed out. But, yeah, so that was really good. So, check that one out. That one is 100% should be on everyone's radar at all times. So Yes. So... I also read one non-Marvel book this week. Yeah, not even kidding. And that was the book that I know everyone has been reading for. I know you're amped for this. I'm so amped. Archie versus Predator Hell Volume 2, number yeah. one. Yep. So I'm so pumped. <laughs> I will be honest. I have read good. just about all of the Archie books, except the Archie horror stuff started before i got heavily involved in the archie stuff so almost all of the modern like archie betty and veronica josie and the pussycats like almost all of that that run the sabrina run i did get you know i'm caught up on all of those but i never got archie versus predator one Mm -hmm. so i did i came into this a little unprepared but i'm not it, it didn't come in with, like, a wrap-up page. It didn't yeah. come in with, like, a prep page. And so I almost feel like 
maybe I'm not going in more blind than others. Yeah, I yeah. kind of feel like we're all going in blind so it's, together. It's been literally over four years since the first series Long started. ass time. It started in April of 2015. So it's been over four <laughs> a years. years ago. So when they announced that there was going to be a volume two and I started to see like the covers and the preview pages of like art and stuff, you know, I, I thought to myself, okay, this is going to be a different Archie versus Predator. It's going to take place with like the, you know, the artist attached to it. I forget who's attached to it. I think Mac um, is, uh, you know, the person that hack, sorry. Um, Robert hack is doing the art and, you know, they do the chilling adventures, Archie stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the Archie horror stuff. So I was like, okay, this is going to be like horror Different. Archie yeah. or maybe they'll do like modern Archie or Riverdale Archie because Archie vs. Predator 1 was very much like in the like Dan Parent style of Archie. It was set up like the old Archie comics, like Goofy Archie, cartoony. Archie gals and pals and stuff like that, you know, um, Fernando Ruiz did the art for that and he does that kind of like you know, very Archie, Archie. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you think Archie and you're not thinking Riverdale, that's the kind of image that comes up. So with this one having a grittier tone, I was like, okay, it's going to be its own thing. And no, it's not. It picks up right after the first book, which was four years ago, over four years ago. I read it. I don't remember where we're at. It's been four (laughs) years. I hardly remember like if I've gone out to eat this week or not, you know? And so to, to not have kind of a wrap-up page or like a, a summary page, like a setup page in the beginning was really kind of rough. Like, I don't agree with that. So, However, you start in media res, but it's so self-aware and mm-hmm. self-referential and like hyper meta yeah. that... I almost kind of like going in blind because I feel like that's going to make this its own experience. Oh, yeah. Like, that was my favorite part is just how, like, they talk fourth about wall they were in this. canceled yeah. and, like, the aliens talk in emojis. Yeah. And it's just, it's adorable they and reference, weird. They reference, like, random Archie Comics tropes, like, going down memory lane. And they reference, like... They reference current Archie Comics because they made the comment, or, no, that may have been in another one. No, I think that was in this one. Did they mention time police in this one? Yeah. They yeah. were like, oh, yeah, you know, Jughead can time travel now. Don't ask. Yeah. Something like that. Which is because yeah, time they, police came out last week. You know, week. and they talk yeah. about coming back from the alternate timeline where Betty married Archie and stuff like that, which was, you know, a whole thing. So, it, uh, you know, it's very self-aware, and that's fun. Because it's like, it's no longer the cartoony characters, but it's still the cartoony characters in this, like, Behavior. gritty style. Yeah. That's another thing I kind of think would have helped the book is if you had Ruiz do, like, the first few pages. Because the whole thing transitions where they end up with, like, new Archie. So they end up, like, back in Riverdale, but they're, like, the old characters. But they're in, like, the new characters' world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, Dilton is hot now and stuff like that. and They talk about Daft Punk. and <laughs> Yeah, and they're all, they're all, like, modern and hipstery. Um, whereas Betty and Veronica are still like old school Betty and Veronica. And so I feel like it would have, it would have benefited from a transition in art styles too, like open with the really cartoony stuff. And then when they hit that, whatever that dimensional pocket is, 
then suddenly it's like gritty or even watch the art like slowly degrade during the book like go from like the you know bright cutesy style and then the colors start to change as they like keep driving in circles well yeah they're stuck in like a loop in riverdale so you could have gone through like various different styles as they like kept driving kept driving in this loop and that would have been super meta but i uh, you know the only real complaints i have were that it was very like hope you remember this book from four years ago and and if you don't here we go yeah and if you don't sorry and i think the art style could have transitioned i think that would have been like a little bit more for people who might not necessarily get like why is this betty veronica different than the other betty and veronica you know? yeah um but i'm still really excited to see where this story goes because it's it's so much fun like the first one was so bonkers and crazy <laughs> mainly because it was set in that like cartoony ass style but i think um no i think it'll be really really cool going forward i'm digging it i i it makes me want to go back and read the original set mm-hmm. since i did not and clearly i'm behind because you know i need to have them all completed yeah. i have read almost every single one <laughs> it's a pride thing (laughs) so now let's hit the big boy okay Um, guys i hope you're buckled in yeah this is gonna there's a lot to talk about there's so many things big week so before we dive into a lot of the various number ones that hit um i want to start by talking about guardians of the galaxy number seven um it's a transition point of a story arc, so I always like to kind of bring those up because it's good jumping in points. Okay. This story arc is promising to be pretty cool. It's almost feels like Warhammer 40k meets Cosmic Marvel. Ooh. Um, there's this big, like, hulking uh, ship from this church that used to worship Magus, um, which I gotta remember the church's name. Um... But it comes in and just, like, obliterates the Nova Corps. And then some stuff happens. You find out who's behind the whole thing. It's a big twist. Um, And then we find out what Rocket has been up to, which for the first six issues, uh, that has been kind of up in the air. They've been, like, hinting at it. But Donnie uh, Donnie Cates has obviously had plans for Rocket, and we find out what those plans are. Um, so really cool jumping on point. I highly recommend if you were interested in getting into the Donny Cates run. Um, now's the time. Now would be a good time to do it. And it's the universal church of truth. I almost said the church of universal truth. And then that felt wrong. So that's why I wanted to look it up. <laughs> I was like, I already, you know, last week called the daily planet, the daily bugle. I don't need more churches coming up. <laughs> you know, the universal church of truth could literally be like seven different churches because you could have like yep church of universal <clears throat> truth truth of universal like of church universal or something yep. like there's so many different variations of just those yep. three words church of truth universal universal truth church of universal truth of church there you go um but yeah it was a cool book I've really enjoyed the Donny Cates run. I know the whole Thanos story arc kind of had a poo-poo ending, but <laughs> um, really excited to see where this one goes. I'm glad Rocket's back. I'm really curious to find out. And that's the thing is there's a lot of questions, you know, yeah, like I love that. there's possibly time travel involved with this church. Like it might be from the future. And it's just like, it, it got my grim dark 
senses tingling. <laughs> like, I saw this big hulking ship with, like, an onk on it. Oh, that's... And, like, all the shit around it. And it's just massive. And I was like, that is as, like, 40k <laughs> as anything could be in this universe. And I love 40k lore, so um, I'm excited to see where that goes. Nice. I had one book this week that was Marvel and not a number one. There were so many number ones this week, you guys. It was absurd. Um, My non-number one this week was the end of Shuri. Shuri ended number 10. Um, I really enjoyed this run. It was really nice to see um, her get some really good play and some some character development. And it was interesting because they kind of were able to bridge the like comic universe Shuri with the movie MCU universe Shuri, which is nice because I feel like that's a good way to draw people into comic depth of her. Yeah, yeah. Because people see her in, you know, the movies and they're like, damn, she's badass. I wanna yeah. I wanna read about her. But if you make her too different yeah, then people comic don't want to go. Yeah, meanwhile, Comic Shuri has, like, a huge history. Yeah, <laughs> you know? she got a lot going on. Yeah. And so this did a really good job of kind of, like, blending what you think of when you see Shuri in, like, the movies, mm-hmm. but not negating all of the cool shit. Like, uh, uh, you know, indisputably, she is way cooler than a brother. Like, Fair. she... Yeah can transmutate into a flock of birds she has a direct connection to the wakandan's memory plane and has like direct connection to all of the ancestor souls Mm. and is like way smarter than he is and just like all this cool shit that she can do and like She's like an ambassador now for them. And she did pick up the Black Panther mantle while he's yeah. been lost in space. And so literally, like, Shuri's just rolling around being like badass princess of all all the things. And I'm like, meanwhile, not saying it's bad, but the Black Panther run has been like, cool, you're still in a spaceship. <laughs> That's good. There's a lot of, like, political drama happening. Good. But... I really enjoyed this run. I would really like to see another Shuri run. I think that would be great. Um, I just hope she gets she gets more stuff. She deserves more stuff. Yeah. She's been badass. So you at home might be asking, is T saying Shuri is more enjoyable than Black Panther? Well, guess what? She Shuri is. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. Do not use me. To make a pun. Do not sure exploit is. my interest in a great character in a great comic run oh, for your baby. disgusting, oh, yeah. dirty, punny, horrible decisions. Ugh. Um, All right. So where do we start? Okay. Let's talk about the big boy. Let's okay. get it out of the way. Okay. So. Oof. If you haven't touched a comic all year, um, <laughs> welcome. This podcast is probably going to be really weird for you. <laughs> um, but you also may not have heard of House of X. So Hickman is back um, at Marvel. Yeah. He has just completely left all his creator-owned things at the altar. Like, a, a 
person at the altar. I don't know. That wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a very good, good metaphor. Anyway, he's back. Um, he's back at Marvel. I'm not bitter about Black Monday murder. Shut up. Um, and he is kicking in the door, just diving into X-Men. So X-Men has had the age of X-Men thing and the uncanny X-Men run that they've been doing. And we've been talking about both of those. There's been a lot of shaking up going on. There's been characters dying, this and that. Um, and then every Marvel ended every single X person thing last month. Um, to make room for House of X and Powers of X, which is going to be a all said and done twelve week event um, that's going to alternate between a House of X issue coming out, then a Powers of X, and then a House of X, and then a Powers of X, and then a House of X, and then a Powers of X, um, and then I think sometimes it'll do like two Powers of X in a row, and then two House of X in a row, and hopefully they'll stick to the the order, and hopefully Hickman has an end of the run planned because he's not good with endings. Um, <laughs> But it so House of X number one came out today, and in true Hickman fashion, it left you with way more questions than answers. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell is going on? So it gives no leeway into what's happening. It opens with one of the most bizarre sequences I've seen, like question provoking sequences I've seen in the next book. Um, which is not much of a spoiler because it's the first page, but it opens with Charles Xavier standing over the freshly hatched bodies of presumably Jean Grey, Cyclops, and somebody else from some sort of weird, like, pod in this cave. Yeah. It kind of looks like there's almost lava involved. Yeah. Like, So the whole premise is weird. they're setting and up... And he's wearing a really weird helmet. He's got this Cerebro helmet. There's tons of theories floating around. You could go all day looking at theories. All in all, it was a good book. It is... At this point, nothing really new and fresh for the X-Men. They're setting up another sovereign nation, which they've done plenty of times. They're giving kind of a peaceful ultimatum to the, you know, countries of the world, which they've done plenty of times. Magneto is a good guy, but really intense, which has happened plenty of times. So there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Xavier's running the show, happened plenty of times. Jean Grey is taking this really odd backseat, which I hope gets explained, which has happened plenty of times. And Cyclops is like, leader slash ex-cop which has happened plenty of times so you know the world hates them the world is weird about them and some people want them destroyed some people are cool with them even some of the superheroes are a little wishy-washy so it's all stuff that's very ex-familiar um the biggest questions are what happened in between age of x-men and here what the hell is up with professor xavier is this the same Xavier that we saw at the end of the Astonishing X-Men run recently that took over the body of Phantom X? Um, tons of questions. There's just so there's, many And there's a lot of, like, really subtle questions, in my opinion. Like, why is this person taking on this mantle? Mm-hmm. Why is this person wearing that costume again? Why yeah. is everyone cool that this dude is back and has no questions that he's yeah. just, like, chilling and there's not, like, hostility? Like, all these weird subtleties that, like, if you're fresh to Marvel and you haven't been reading any comics, you'd be like, oh, no, this is how I expect to see people. Yeah, this this makes is, sense. Yay. But yeah. as someone who's been reading stuff and knows things and and is aware of what it was, like, 20 minutes ago, yeah. you see things and you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> head tilt so you Confused? know obviously what's going on in the beginning is he cloning x-men are those some sort of like healing like did he put them in these things because they're on this living island called krakoa and so it's possible that maybe what we see in the beginning is him 
after the X-Men have been through all this shit, he put them into some sort of, like, gestation to be healed and refreshed and younger. You know what I mean? So maybe yeah. now they're younger versions of themselves. Because, like, I, Cyclops during Uncanny got shot in the freaking eye. <laughs> to the point where, like, at any point he could use his powers and his head would explode. So does he have both his eyes now? Like, did that get fixed? Or is he cloning? Like, is Xavier cloning these people? Is that even Xavier? We don't know. Like, he's under the Cerebro thing. Is this the normal dimension? Are we still yeah, are on we our standard Earth parallel? Some different Earth, yeah. Um, obviously, with any X-Men title, there's a group of humans that are making, like, severe pushes. Because the big story around this one is that it's come... It's apparently come to the attention of the you know powers of the world that within 10 years mutants will be the dominant species on earth so essentially without the like this would have already happened apparently without the genocean genocide which for those who don't know your ex history that happened and because uh oh, what is her name i don't remember bald lady who is charles xavier's like sister and is super evil sent an F-ton of Sentinels to Genosha. Like, 16 million mutants and humans were killed. That, like, decimated the mutant population. That resulted in Magneto being super pissed and Scarlet Witch being super pissed. And Scarlet Witch's kids died in the genocide, I believe. Woof. And that resulted in her, like, doing all her reality-shifting stuff to try to bring them back, which ended up with the Avengers being like, yo, we need to freaking kill wanda pietro found out ran off told his dad and wanda they went into hiding um and then house of m happened and now wanda's technically not even a mutant um yeah i mean good time flash forward tons in the future and wanda's <laughs> not not a mutant so um without the events that essentially set up house of m which then after house of m wanda wiped out all but like 200 something mutants in the world like their powers yeah so there were only like 200 something powered mutants and then eventually you get to where Hope is born. She's the first mutant born after the decimation. Um, and Cable takes her to the future, trains her, brings her back. She's a well-trained soldier with the ability to, like, steal people's powers. Not in, like, a rogue way. Like, mm. she can have their powers just by being in proximity to them. Oh, and, that's um, cool. That'd be handy. And then that kicks off eventually the whole... We're just having an X-Men history lesson now. Um, that kicks off the whole Avengers versus X-Men thing because Hope comes back and that triggers the Phoenix. The Phoenix is like, oh shit, this chick is awesome. I want inside that. And um, Weird. Yeah, everyone's like, whoa, Phoenix, like, calm down. You can't just say that about somebody. And Phoenix is like, shut up. I, I know what I like. Um, and... <laughs> yeah, so Avengers versus X-Men happens and during that whole thing, Charles Xavier dies... And that's where we were just left off. Scott was, like, a pariah and super crazy. Charles was dead. Kitty was the main, like, kind of responsible one in the X-Men. <laughs> Wolverine had his whole shit going on. Um, Jubilee was a vampire. And Jubilee a was a vampire. <laughs> and then time went by. Scott died because of the Terrigen Mists. Scott eventually came back because Marvel. reasons. Um <laughs> Xavier was dead. Xavier eventually came back because reasons. Marvel. Phoenix and Jean Grey came back because reasons. Wolverine died, and then he came back because reasons. And now here we are. 
we have pushed out all the fake wolverines and we have one true wolverine now we have pushed out all the young x-men's and we have only the true x-men's now but why what's going on you know what i mean like it's obviously like this issue was hickman being like this is a very purist look at x-men like i could tell he wanted to open with like very familiar x story very familiar x teams very familiar x players like down to like what they're wearing yeah he didn't even give wolverine any lines nope you know he he didn't want it to be a wolverine story because that's the trouble with wolverine is once he starts getting into the fight he fights it's It's like oh hey it's a wolverine book um which is why they killed him fun fact uh and so you know he obviously wants it to feel very pure x-men also i think xavier has one line that whole two lines it's two lines that whole time yeah to me my x-man and then like a reassurance of gene yep you know that's it uh so he you know he wants it to feel very pure he lets major players be the only ones to talk most of the dialogue um in the book actually happens from non-x people you know or like the brotherhood x-men like mystique and them they have a lot of lines and then there's tons of like extra text which i love it's so hickman like all these like brackets there's brackets and letters everywhere (laughs) and it's like i gotta hack the internet and a whole new um, language yeah they he invented a language which i cracked which we'll get to that later i gotta toot my own horn um (laughs) so anyway that's your x-men history and there were other things that happened within that time frame like there was um the schism between Wolverine and Cyclops where, you know, Cyclops was giving up on kind of Xavier's way of doing things and moving into more of an isolationist territory, whereas Wolverine wanted to keep teaching kids. So Wolverine kept the school and Cyclops moved out to a place called Utopia outside of San Francisco. Um, I don't, that happened like right before Avengers versus X-Men, I believe, but you know, it, it didn't really do a whole lot aside from be kind of the beginning of the end for Cyclops's character um but he's back now and he's this good old boy scout now good old hero cyclops which i loved crazy cyclops i'm kind of bummed but well, i loved everybody a lot seems super cool with him too yeah like, i loved it, a I lot know, about so uh the x-men that is now defunct because everybody just wants everything to be the way it was and no one accepts when people change for good um so there always has to be like re- like oh he's back from the dead and now he's himself again and stuff so whatever Man, anyway i wonder if putting everything and resetting everything back to zero in the way that it was before everything went all willy wonky mm-hmm. has something to do with the fact that now Marvel can, you know, make movies with X-Men again. Right. <laughs> 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 Wasn't it Hickman who was like, you shouldn't make your books after the movies. You should let your movies be after the books. Literally like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, all in all, it was good. It was very good. It was very, like, lots of questions, lots to unpack, like I said. Um, you know, and there's a lot of lore and a lot of references back to stuff. So, you know, if you haven't read an X-Men book in a while, have a wiki nearby. Like, have your phone or a computer nearby. And just, like, when you don't know who a character is, just give them a quick wiki, find out about them, you know. Like, I admittedly didn't know who Cypher and Sage were because I'm not extra familiar with the New Mutants. Yeah, there. I don't know a lot of the like outlying mutants. I I've mm-hmm. never been that deep into mutant land. Yeah. To be quite honest, like I know some of the fringy folk, but not yeah. many. 
and that it requires some googling it seems like the fantastic four are going to play a big part i'm hoping um because there was specific mention of franklin richards who's one of the most powerful mutants um and i know hickman loves the fantastic four because one of his like big critically acclaimed books was his revival of ff so and man it's almost like they just got those rights back too huh yeah weird wow Um, put them both in the same book weird huh but yeah if you have not been reading x stuff because x-men for a long time has just been a ton of different teams and a lot of crossover events and a lot of like romance drama this doesn't look like it's going to have a lot of that it looks like it's going to be a very mind-bending very like trippy (laughs) intricately woven x-men story for the next 12 weeks so if you want to just like and that's the cool thing is that there's only going to be these books until october and then on october they're relaunching a bunch of them um they've got some cool ones you can look them up online but there's gonna be like obviously a main x-men title an x-force title the one i'm most excited about is the marauders and that seems to be the one everyone else is least excited about so i'm sure i'll get like six issues of that and then it's done (laughs) Um, but it's welcome like, to my world homie it's like, yeah it's like kitty pride <laughs> and others on a boat helping mutants and she is like referring to herself as like captain cat pride and stuff and she's just wearing her stupid like ex leotard <laughs> but she has a scarf now so that makes her a pirate Arg! Um, so that one will be fun but house of x is worth picking up um i translated the secret text <laughs> So I spent most of my morning going through the book because there's point like they have a mutant language that apparently the island of Krakoa invented and then like psychically implanted in all of its inhabitants. And it's very hieroglyphic. Um, It's very similar to the language in Black Monday Murders, uh, which I never took the time to like figure out that language. Hmm. But this one was important to me. And at the back (laughs) of this book, there are two pages that have like big blocks of text and I was like, that's got to be something. That's got to be something. I need to solve this. So I flipped around the book trying to find like a way, like a, some sort of cipher to use. And there's two good ciphers. The first is on the very front page. House of X is on there, but it's House of is spelt out in this, uh, cipher, language. this cipher language. X is not, which kind of pissed me off later on. I had to find X later on um, (laughs) on a page about Xavier. And then there's a page where they list like these different flowers. Because the whole premise is that Krakoa is producing these flowers that the X-Men are going to, you know, basically give to the people of the world. And they have these like supreme pharmaceutical properties, properties like extending your life and getting rid of brain diseases and stuff like and that. And a super adaptable antibiotic. And yeah. Um, stuff like that. And all these flowers have a letter attached to them. So there's like six letters there and then the letters in house of. And I went through the text. So if you don't want to know what the text is, go ahead and skip ahead for, I don't know, a few seconds. Uh, if you do want to know what the text is, I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. So the first page, big block text page, And other people have already beat me to this. I'm not enough of an influencer to be like the first one to get this, but I think I'm the first one to get this so they can shove it. Um, (laughs) So the first, they're both previews of what's to come. So the first one says next, it's not a dream if it's real. So presumably what powers of X number one is going to be about Hmm. something like that. Okay. And the second page says, then 
the curious case of Moira X. So huh. obviously Moira McTaggart is going to come into yep. play. Um, they already mentioned Proteus, which I believe is Moira's son. Yeah, they did. In this book um, as one of the Omega mutants. Uh, he, as far as I know, is super dead. Because the X-Men killed him once a long time ago, and then he got resurrected, and then they killed him again in Astonishing X-Men. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Maybe he's resurrected um, again. Yeah, right. And uh, he's he's bad news, but who knows? And I, it's apparently, like, I've heard people say that two big promo images for this run have been the one that's, like, the greatest moment in X-Men history. And it's, like, the four-panel thing of right. some lady talking to Charles. Um, and then there's one with that same lady kissing on Apocalypse. And it says, like, fear the future or something. Right. Um that's apparently moira mctaggart uh i don't know if i was supposed to know that just by how she looked i kind of thought it was rogue because she's got like she looks roguish hair i thought she had like a white streak but i may be misremembering she had like roguey colors so moira is gonna play a huge role in whatever story is about to be told um so it's really curious that they're calling her moira x so i'm excited to see what that means um but house of x get out and get it uh, make sure that you get a note from your doctor, though, because you're going to need one to say that you're good with heavy lifting uh, because this thing is a fucking beast. It is a big. <laughs> it's an absolute big unit. Book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that kicks off the start of our multiple Marvel number ones from this week. So I am now going to do my other big number one that I think people were much anticipating. And then I'll I'll end with pepperings of. Less impactful, number one. Especially regarding recent news. Yes. My, the current biggin that super matters is Valkyrie, number one. Hell yeah. Jason Aaron. This book is glorious. It's beautifully drawn. Mm. It's, it's perfect Jason, Jane. I don't know. He just understands how to voice her so well Marvel. she feels so consistent and like yeah. i'll be honest with you that's a huge pet peeve of mine is when a character doesn't sound consistent between mm. authors especially when there are certain defining behaviors with that and so i'm so glad that it's jason that's writing her i'm so yeah. glad that he is so attached to her because this book feels like her and there are so many cool things that he has set up with this book i mean there's this cool capability where so Jane is now Valkyrie. Jane has taken on um, the essentially she, at the end of War of Realms, she broke the Warthor's hammer, mm-hmm. and when the Warthor's hammer broke, part of it adhered itself to her and became the All Weapon, um, which has a fancy Norse name which I don't remember. But I was like, ooh, you got a named weapon now. You're like Mjolnir. You're all fancy pants. It was a. Uh... Benji. I don't think that's right. Benji the All Weapon. Yep. I mean, canon, but like, I don't think that was right. <laughs> no, that sounds right. But I like it. Um, but so now she is um, essentially the Valkyrie. That all of the other Valkyries were killed during the session or during the war. And so she is the only one to ferry and select those that go to Valhalla. Um, And with it comes very cool new different powers that have nothing to do with 
her being Thor. So she's having to relearn how to be a superhero because she's an entirely different superhero. So now she's hmm. got cool things like Valkyrie Sight, where she gets to see how long people have until they're going to die. That was really cool. I was flipping and it, through and it's, and yeah, I saw that. It's depicted as like bubbles above their head and, and the different like size. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, the different sizes die. kind of correlate with how soon the death is. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's just interesting because, you know, she's so wrapped up in death and like she just got demoted at work and now she's working in like the morgue. Mm-hmm. So like she's literally just surrounded by death. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's just really interesting, and I, I like where it's going. I think it's a cool concept because, like, you don't often see a superhero book that's about somebody having to learn how to be a different superhero. Mm-hmm. That's not, like, inherently in a negative context. So you had, like, Unworthy Thor. He was learning how to be Thor without Mjolnir. Right. You know, but that was, like, a negative thing. He was not happy about it. Yeah, he was a brood brood. And, you know, you have superheroes that go from one thing to another – but they either usually, A, kind of keep what they were already, like when Falcon became Cap. Um, right. Or, you know, or when, you know, Ms. Marvel became Cap Marvel. Different superhero, different kind of duties in general, but same powers yeah. for the most part. Um, or it just kind of like skips over all of that crap. You know, them being a different superhero altogether. They just kind of like, I'm here now. Yay, you know, and um, so it's interesting to see somebody who, like, already knows what it means to be a superhero, but now they have to, like, do that with these new powers and, like, this new realm that they have to work in, you know? Yeah. It's a really cool concept. I like that. It's it's nice, too, because Jason's introduced a character that was also the partner or girlfriend of a superhero and worked in the same hospital as Jane. Nice. And so she's got like a friend who like knows her secret and mm-hmm. can like hang out and be cool. And this this person now works for damage control. So like they're going to go transport stuff and they're like she's like, "Hey, Jane, come and help. You can help protect us." And like <laughs> they're like they're like cool and hanging out. And yeah. I, it just I don't know, the the Mighty Thor run was wonderful but it was very lonely for jane yeah it was very lonely because she was struggling in both realms yeah because it it was hard to stay thor and it was hard to stay jane and so i just think it's really poignant that new superhero new lease you know she she gets a friend she gets someone she can talk about this this shit with she gets someone that can you know understand her stuff and it's just it's it's just endearing you can tell it's a different feeling now yeah i mean her run as mighty thor was such a fan favorite like (laughs) so good regardless of what the like 1990s purists say that where they dictate that like no character can be replaced by another person ever how dare you and is the whole reason we're where we are right now um like hers was a shining example above all those others when they were doing the like replacing thing uh and it just i think she deserves it you know what i mean like she deserves to be the character that comes out of that whole thing the whole like comics gate thing where people were like marvel's just replacing white people like white men with 
black people and you know women and it's it's messed up man you know those douchebags were having their thing so it'd be cool if marvel would have the ability to be like okay here's a new character who is a woman watch her fly (laughs) you know and she's a total badass and shout out we just found out as you know from sdcc that Mm -hmm. jane foster mcu Natalie Portman, yep. as I called it, thank you very <laughs> much, is picking up the hammer or something and is going to be not Lady Thor because that's not her yeah. name, not female Thor, not woman Thor, mighty Thor. Mighty Thor, yeah. Oh, booyah. Yeah, I thought that was really cool that the director pointed that out. I was going to say it's cool that he was like, it's <laughs> mighty Thor. Thank you damn straight um next one i want to talk about i don't have too much to say uh, but it was a cool little book that came out from marvel they i think it's a two or three issue run that they're going to be doing called history of the marvel universe Mm. um it opens with a fairly important kind of framing story that i hope goes somewhere or people kind of pick up on its importance but it's franklin richards and galactus at the end of time and uh. Franklin is essentially the plan is he's going to consume Galactus to have enough energy to remake the universe. But before he does that, he wants to learn from Galactus how everything went from the dawn of from the dawn of the Marvel universe essentially. Huh. Um and so that's all it is. The book literally just goes from start and then we make it all the way up to, I guess, like the 1800s was when Wolverine was born. Because he's like the last tidbit. They're like, James Hallett. Bleh, huh. his origin. And then at the back, it goes through all. It does like an annotation on all that stuff and gives you all the books. Like if you want to read this person's first appearance. If you want to read this. If you want to know about this story, it's really cool. It's really dope. That's really cool. Here's something funny. It takes a hot steaming crap on Donnie Gates. <laughs> oh. So let's talk Noel. So Uh-oh. Noel's whole thing is that he existed in this universe before there was anything. He was just a being that came out of God knows where and existed in darkness and he loved it. He was a god of darkness love darkness that's what he wanted that's noel's whole thing yeah and there have been other people referencing noel plenty of times yeah jason aaron did yeah um this book does not (laughs) oh so the whole forming of the marvel universe was caused essentially like galactus was a human from the universe before and that universe was closing in on itself his people created this craft that he could basically go into the fissure and see what was beyond space time. And when he went through, it caused this like explosion of energies that resulted in the creation of the universe, creation of the multiverse, etc., etc. Hmm. Um and then beings started to pop up. It was first the ones that are personifications of kind of like loose like ideas like death and eternity and whatnot right um an eon came from eternity and all that stuff those types of like big lofty right you know time and shit like that um then came the celestials and they started like and a few other races 
And they started, like, experimenting on a bunch of... And the Celestials are the reason that the Marvel Universe is so crazy. Like, they experimented on these reptiles, and then we, boom, got the scrolls, and they experimented on humans, and we got the Eternals, and all this shit. Um, nowhere is Noel mentioned. And if Noel is, like... It just feels like a big editorial oversight. Because, like, obviously Marvel gives a shit enough about this character that they've let Donnie run with it, They've let him be established, you know. They've, you know, made mention that his technical first appearance is in a book that happened way before Donny Cates took over, and other writers have mentioned him. So, like, why, oh, why would you not include just one panel of Noel in the, like, beginning of the universe? But they don't. They don't at all. He's just not there. <laughs> Wait, uh, okay, so here's here's something to consider. Mm. Maybe there's a reason for that. Now, I didn't read the book, but what if part of the conflict of this is going to be that Franklin's ready to recreate and Null's like, hold up, I want my darkness back. Yeah, maybe. That could be a thing. I don't know. Um, or but- it could just be flagrant not paying attention it was was a cool book though it essentially felt like it was just mark wade in like a benedictine monastery like sitting over a large tome just like scrawling (laughs) while like various other monks bring him like ancient like i found the one on atlantis and then he like opens it and he's like oh shit they were oh god oh that's hilarious. A Roman emperor took over a subterranean continent? What the fuck is it? <laughs> you know? Drinking some triple, you know? But it was good. It was cool. It, it's like, you know, it's like an encyclopedia, but it plays out like a story. That's you know? cool. So it's more than just their, like, because they do the, like, Marvel Index, you yeah. know, like, the Marvel A to Z and stuff like that all the time. But this was actually, like, a book and it had cool art and cool splash pages and you see all these characters and you get to see like who happened when and you know there were plenty of things because i obviously was not reading marvel in the 60s and 70s so i don't know a lot of this shit yeah but at first i was like man that's weird like noel because obviously i hit the early parts of the universe first and i was like oh man noel's gonna get mentioned no mention so i was like you know that's a little weird Maybe it's just because he's modern. Maybe this book is mainly to, like, catch readers up on, like, Silver Age shit. Yeah. Nope. In the back, it references, like, recent Silver Surfer runs, recent Ultimate Squared, that run oh. with, like, Blue Lightning and... Is it Blue Lightning? Is that thing? Blue Marvel? Blue Marvel. Blue Marvel, Blue Marvel, I think. Was combining... That's racist. Um... <laughs> Woo! My argument is we're catching up with the Arrowverse. We are. <laughs> and they we have just finished outfit. season one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gucci. Uh, but yeah, you know, they reference a lot of recent stuff. Like they reference in the recent Avengers run, there was the Dark Host came down because they were looking for this like dead celestial that was like buried under the polar ice that the Avengers now live inside of um and they reference the like avengers bc like 1000 bc the like odin and phoenix and iron fist and black panther and star brand team from like prehistoric times yeah so like 
Weird. You know, those things are included. But, like, no null. Is there any, like, weird Again, there might be there might be a point to that. We only know null's origin from null. <laughs> you yeah. know? So that would be, like, you know, it's that whole, like, unreliable narrator thing. Like, when Iago in Othello tells you a story, it's like, eh, I don't believe you. Or Iago the parrot tells you a story. Same thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> same character. Fight me. Um, don't at me, bro. <laughs> Otello fans. Yeah, there's so But yeah, this many was super cool. I highly recommend it. It's, like I said, I think it's just a two or three issue book. Um, probably two, because we're already at like the 1800s. So I'm super excited for the next one, because that's going to be when everyone's origin starts coming up. Nice. So like all the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man and stuff. And I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so that'll be cool. <laughs> Uh, so that one, highly recommend. I also have a three-issue mini that started this week. Fearless, number one. It's all about chicks writing about chicks. All about ladies. Yeah, it's Lady Town. Where are my ladies at? Whoop, whoop. Um, it's just me. <laughs> yeah. just our, me. our cat Trinity is looking at me like, I'm over here, but you're stupid. Pretty much, yeah. Whoop. She's giving, like, mad shade whoop, right now. Whoop. Um, so Fearless is interesting um lots of really talented writer ladies on it already this one included um kelly thompson and leah williams and oh there's one other author in this that i'm forgetting um shannon mcguire and so lots of ladies lots of talented ladies doing this um the standout to me in terms of weirdness and that was that was really what stood out to me um is that the second so it's three mini stories in one book and so the first one was written mm. by Shana mcguire the second one's written by leah williams the third one's written by kelly thompson the third one by the way is the most entertaining because it ends in chibis and that's the best <laughs> thing that's ever happened um but the second one that's super weird that's leah williams is a Millie the Model story. So I don't know huh. <laughs> if you know anything about Millie the Model. Yeah. Me, I have no idea about Millie the Model. Apparently some blonde chick that was a model in the 80s and was mm-hmm. like a big deal. And I guess in the 80s was like Marvel trying to be like, hey, girls, comics are cool. We can like girly crap too. <laughs> and so there was a Millie the Model stuff. And... This was really interesting because it wasn't it wasn't a bad story. It was about, you know, models at a photo shoot and <laughs> Millie was being nice to some influencer who'd never done a shoot before and was all nervous and there was a sassy bitchy redhead as always, holla. And there was a, <laughs> you know, girl who showed up completely disheveled, rocking mm-hmm. way too much caffeine and the like young photographer and it was you know it felt you know kind of snot girlish and whatever it just i felt a little blindsided in a marvel book yeah like you're like when's the person made of bees gonna attack yeah like you show up (laughs) and you're reading marvel books and you this is a very simplistic way of looking at marvel comics but i'm not wrong in that you go into a marvel comic and you expect hero versus villain conflict mm-hmm. 
of some kind. Yeah. It doesn't have to be fisticuffs. It doesn't have to be active battle. But there is some sort of conflict that is yeah. generated. And this was an actual story with no conflict. The only conflict was that the bitchy redhead tripped the newbie influencer. That which, bitch. But it was fine. She caught herself and didn't end up breaking young photographer's camera or anything. Everything resolved itself, like, instantly. She just was bitchy redhead. Holla. So, like, <laughs> it was not bad. Just unimportant? Sure. Yeah. Unconclusive? Un. Un? Un. I mean, let's just all agree to be happy that Marvel's calling this fearless and it's not another iteration of girl comics. Hold on. Yeah. I'm about to part, cover children's ears real quick, okay? Um, What the fuck is a girl's comics? <laughs> so girl's comics is something Marvel has done in the past. It's, yeah. Wopped? Yep. Uh... Big old hashtag wopped. Girl Comics Marvel. Do a quick. You're just gonna. Here. You're just gonna call them. Yeah. Girl uh, Comics. So it started way back in like the Timely and Atlas days, um, in 1949, and read for ran for 35 issues. Okay. Changing its title to Girl Confessions with issue number 13. Oh God. Not uh, better. The second was a three issued limited series published in 2010. 2010. 2010. Who wrote it? Uh, that's a good question. And why? And why would you why would you call it that? Like, okay, hold on. The yep. 40s is cool. Like I mm -hmm. get that cuz you know Yep. Okay, here's the, here's the Wikipedia. Patriarchy. Here's here's the Wikipedia. Just comment. Uh, girl Comics. The second Girl Comics was three-issue limited series released as a part of Marvel's year-long Marvel Women project. Hey, you know, girl power. Girl Comics was entirely written, colored, illustrated, and lettered by female authors and artists. There you go. Sister titles published during the period under uh, during this period under the Marvel Women Project included limited series and one-shots: Harold, Black Widow, Namora, Lady Deadpool, and Her Rose. <laughs> it's so it's literally heroes with a dash between the R and the OES. Her heroes. <laughs> It ran three issues, cover dated May to September 2010. The collection was originally conceived as a celebration of both the 30th anniversary of She-Hulk and the National Women's History Project. So, do you guys remember when we were all trying really super hard to be woke, mm -hmm. but we just weren't woke yet? When we were like, man, we're so woke, but we weren't actually woke, and we were yeah, just, right. we were just like... We just hit the alarm. So, like, we knew we needed to get out of bed. But, like, oh, man, patriarchy was so warm it's, and the yeah. covers were so comfy and it was still so comfortable. Like, my thing about the girl comics thing in 2010 oof. is that it's a very good concept. But that's the, what Fearless is. Yeah, Fearless is the same thing. The name just should not have been girl comics. No. That, that looks so much like you're being like, okay, here's the man comics. And here's the girl comics. Yeah, just might you know? as well make it pink and charge an extra two bucks for it. Yeah. Burn. Yeah. So fearless. Fearless is a good a good idea. Yes, and it's yeah. it's the same type of thing. 
it's well, it's, it's also kind of insulting. It's all like, ladies, if, and it's If you great. have a book that's all, I really like female superheroes. I think they're badass because they're dope. Um, like She Hulk is one of my faves. So if they put out a She Hulk book and slapped a big like four girls on there, I wouldn't be challenged in my masculinity. I'd just be kind of bummed because it's like, it's it's simultaneously like disrespectful being like here's your comics girls look and also kind of gatekeepy because it's like you know you shouldn't be reading these these are the girl comics there's a lot of different ways to look at it so and it's probably being nitpicky but fuck it it's 2019 yeah that's, no that's what we do these days 10 <laughs> yeah. years it's i know that it's only been like nine ten years but if you yeah. think about it that has been an incredibly societally changed 10 years mm-hmm. it's true there's been a lot to go there's on. been a lot that has uh, happened so we found out more details about bill cosby's putting pop than we wanted to so oh my god um blah, 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 blah. Really... but yeah it's fearless is great name good start enjoying it didn't don't don't entirely know what to do with the whole millie the model thing don't hate it but just i mean at of... least it wasn't like exploitative or no it wasn't like bad yeah. it just it felt it felt mildly out of place but that was that's it go pick up here fearless is is heroes uh get yourself some churros <laughs> i'm so stupid <laughs> <laughs> i'm so stupid um last one i wanted to talk about is just general hype so uh web of venom funeral pyre came out so Web of Venom has been a series of different one-shots with different names. So it's Web of Ven- Venom, colon, whatever else. Um, like the one before this one was Cult of Carnage. And between Cult of Carnage and Funeral Pyre, they've been setting up Absolute Carnage, which is coming in two weeks, August 7th. Um, super stoked. Super stoked, bruh! Um, <laughs> so, I mean, if they're going to bring the 90s back, I can too, dude. Woo! Um, what am i talking about my my dialect is stuck in the 90s 90s nickelodeon ruined my lingity um it's true (laughs) i'm particularly stoked about this one because this one focuses on uh andy insert last name here who was mania for a while mania was a lady venom who got a piece of venom when venom tried to help her after she was injured i believe um now that particular venom was not your eddie brocks was not your weird guy when venom went to a number one a couple years ago that no one cared about and then they brought him back as a villain and people still didn't care guess what people don't care um (laughs) and it was not uh matt gargan the scorpion it was my boy flash tizzy thompson now johnny cates is running the whole absolute carnage show uh and this book was particularly like the biggest you know cult of carnage set up kind of the premise but this one was a huge lead-in to absolute carnage this was like literally like the start of it this could have been called absolute carnage zero it was carnage giving his entire plan away as he (laughs) mutilated people trying to get to this girl who no longer has Venom. She does have, like, demon summoning powers um, because huh. at one point in the Venom run, they all got this hell mark, and she just kind of kept hers, and now she can summon demons. Um, oh, it's pretty dope. Cool. Um, but he wants to suck the remaining... <laughs> the remaining... 
Venom <laughs> Codex out of is what they're calling it the Codex, like genetic pieces of Venom. Quit with that oh. out of their bones and become closer to God, which is null. Please give me Flash Thompson back. Like, <laughs> he died in Spider-Man 800, but, like, you know, the lead-in book for Absolute Carnage is, you know, references him a ton. Like, a ton. She's constantly like, wish you were here, coach. And, like, stuff like that. And it's his, like, sidekick from later in the Rick Remender run. Um, and then way back in, I think, issue six or eight, of one of them even numbers <laughs> freaking even numbers um y'all can't see it but he's twitching hard yeah right now. i am i am so stoked about it. <laughs> uh, bruh it, he actually brought agent venom back so venom after fighting grendel which was the symbiote dragon became the symbiote became brain dead so it was just kind of like attached to eddie brock and didn't really have, like, a mind of its own. Hmm. Well, he, in order to escape evil Reed Richards, we'll talk about that some other time, uh, ingests the codex that belonged to Flash Thompson. Okay. And so Flash, his consciousness basically comes out and takes over the Venom symbiote. And Eddie Brock, on the inside, becomes Agent Venom on the outside, guns and everything, and just blasts his way and the whole time, Eddie's, like, inner monologue is talking about how Flash was so much of a better Venom than anyone else. Huh. Donny Cates loves Flash Thompson. <laughs> I loves Flash Thompson. <laughs> Donny Cates, help. <laughs> help yeah. me, bruh. Bring him back. So I'm, I'm really hopeful this issue got me just, like, tweaked. Like, I was reading it, and I I didn't really recognize who it was on the cover. I didn't really read much about the issue or the solicitation or anything. And then I open it, and it's like, Andy, and I'm like, boing! Um, (laughs) I was, like, ready to go. Like, Flash, Flash, where is he? He's got to be here. And it was like someone was following her in, like, a red hoodie, and I was like, that's probably Carnage. But inside, I was like, it's Flash! He's got a red hoodie on! (laughs) He must have just shopped at the Gap. I don't know! Oh, anyway, honey. Uh, pick it up if you're as stoked for Absolute Carnage as I am, because it was a fun read and it gives you a full <laughs> laydown. And Carnage does some really sick things. So, you know, this one was written by Colin Bunn. This one was not written by Donny Cates. Colin loves him some dark Donnie shit, Cates man. Donny Cates is uh, running the whole Absolute Carnage show, so he obviously would have had some sort of, like, pull on where this story went. Um, but they have Carnage just, like, ripping people up just with, you know, complete disregard it sounds about right being a total badass and like fire doesn't hurt him now and stuff so cullen's doing blossom 666 the archie dark thing nice and yeah. it's it's checked up <laughs> right on. so so pick up web of venom funeral pyre and get stoked we're gonna get flash thompson back family i believe it you have to have faith sure thing honey. we're gonna it's gonna yeah, have it totally <laughs> So my last book, is, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it, but I just want to give it a shout out. Um, Swordmaster number one. I want to shout this book out because I already talked about Arrow number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Arrow number one to me felt very manga-like. So inner monologue, not a whole lot of dialogue. Liquid hot manga. <laughs> a lot of, you know, talking poetically, 
glory, whatever. It, it yeah, was yeah. beautiful, but but a little flat. Yeah. This one reads like you're watching an episode of Naruto. Like mm-hmm. it is so run with their, like, fists. like super <laughs> Western e influenced yeah. anime e style. Do they like, invade Area Fifty One? I wish, not yet. <laughs> Maybe soon. They they are going to like some demon canyon, oh, so cool. that'll be fun. Um, but like he starts talking with this group of criminals who like beat up his dad, and the faces they're making are like straight out of the oh. most awesome parts of like lupin and stuff like it is mm-hmm. it's just it feels super anime goobery it's and like i love reading it toonami yeah exactly like extra throwbacky and it yeah. feels like like you can almost hear in your head when they're like oh 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 like you can hear it in your head and it's so great and i was like oh i'm digging this and like this we just there's some weeboo we just offended the shit out. <laughs> there's stuff where they're fine. They you know, don't just it's make cool. the noises is how they show the emotions. Well, and I heard it because and they I were showing the emotions. It was great. No, I dig it though. I I like me some anime. Sorry, I like weeboos. me some manga. It's good, and I I just enjoy it because we don't really get this style from from Marvel a whole mm-hmm. lot, and I really enjoy that they're kind of playing with their Eastern influences and and letting some more you know. Asian authors produce some stuff that's not not your typical superhero go punch. Superhero go punch. You know, it's it's a little more it's a little more flavored. I nice. like it. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's gonna do it for us, fam. All wrapping up. We are done. Long ass episode with a ton of Marvel stuff. So get out there and grab some Marvel books. Yeah. Um, if there's anything we should have talked about that you think we missed, let us know. Please do. If there's any like under the radar stuff that was absolutely fantastic let us know about that as well um if you want more cover b you can check us out all over the place facebook twitter and our website and at cover b podcast or coverbpodcast.com if you want more of just t and i as well as some other people that we bring into the fold with us uh, you can check us out on twitch we occasionally play games live and get mad at each other it's called tink tink games t-i-n-k so check that out yep um and eventually we're gonna have another project that's gonna be nerd related don't have much to say about that right now might still be like a month or so out but keep an ear out keep an eye out because we'll be posting about that and we are currently working on getting all of our episodes on our website so that'll be really exciting you'll have a one-stop shop for all of the things cover b including merch go buy our pretty stuff and on that note hope everybody has a wonderful weekend get out there and just take some time for yourself just sit in the sun and let it wash over you if it's raining free shower so that's cool (laughs) hopefully you don't live in a polluted city and just have a calm weekend just relax you deserve it unwind and we will catch you guys next week on the next cover Cover B. b bye everybody